welcome to the Justin Peters program, where we're searching the scriptures to see if these things are so, studying to show ourselves approved, rightfully dividing the word of truth so that we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here's your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you are doing well. I want to thank you for joining me for this installment of the Justin Peters program. We will continue today our study of Matthew 11, verses 25 through 30, a series that I have entitled Rest for the Weary. We've been doing this for a number of weeks. We have taken a detour or two. I took a detour last week because I wanted to give you an update on our trip to the Philippines. It was a very productive trip by God's grace and uh, a joyful trip. Really enjoyed the trip that I had there with Mike Miller and his son Jacob. Uh, It was a very good trip. In fact, I had a a lady tell me in the Philippines, she came up to me and she said that she listens to these radio programs. So I had no idea I had anybody listening in the Philippines, but uh, there is at least one. And so... um, it was it was a good trip, and, and we saw uh, just wonderful, wonderful responses to the truth, and uh, so it was a good trip. And I do have another trip coming up very shortly. I'm recording this program on the afternoon of February the 10th, and in about 36 hours or so, I will be getting on a plane headed to Recife, I think I'm saying that right, Recife? R-E-C-I-F-E, Brazil, and I will be in Brazil for about five days or so, have a trip there. I'll be speaking at uh, a conference, and uh, I'm not going to be the only speaker. I think there will be some other speakers there as well, but uh, from what I understand, this is going to be the largest venue that I've ever had. I'm being told that there's going to be up to 8,000 people at this conference, and so uh, by a, a factor of three, this is the the, uh, the this will be the largest venue that I've that I've ever had, and so I'm I'm looking forward to that. I really am because uh, I think there will be a lot of pastors there as well, and so there's always there that good uh, opportunity for the multiplier effect for these pastors to come and be taught the truth, and then. Uh, Lord willing, they will in turn take that truth back to their churches and, uh, and teach that to, to their respective flocks. So really looking forward to this opportunity. I would covet your prayers for me as I am gone. Uh, prayers that uh, God would sustain me physically. This last trip to the Philippines was, was kind of tough on me. Physically, I think I'm just getting, I think I'm just not as young as I used to be. I'm, I'm getting older. And uh, so I, I pray uh, pray that uh, that God would sustain me physically, but most importantly, of course, spiritually, and that God's Word would do the job that only God's Word can do, that I would, uh, everything that I say would be honoring uh, to Christ, glorifying to Him, and pray that I would decrease so that He would increase and uh, so appreciate your prayers pray for my wife as i'm away and she's here holding down the fort so um i thank you for that and i know many of you do pray for me i thank you so very very much for that okay well let's get back to our series matthew chapter 11 
verses 25 through 30. This is a series I have entitled Rest for the Weary, and I have not even yet gotten to the verse that that has that in it. But uh, just briefly, in case you were not able to join us two weeks ago, uh, we talked about uh, verse Verse 25, Jesus says at that time, um, or at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. And we talked about how these things is not specified here in the text directly, but we can know from other uh, verses that uh, Jesus is referring to the things of the gospel, the things of the kingdom, the things of salvation, and he has hidden these things from the wise and intelligent, those who profess to be wise and intelligent, and have revealed them to infants, to babes. And we talked last week about how this is not to be understood in a chronological sense, when Jesus referred to babes, he's not referring to babies. He's not referring to uh, infants or toddlers or even young children chronologically. Uh, he is he is making a spiritual point, not a chronological point. The point he is making is, is that the things of the gospel are being revealed to those who understand that they have nothing to contribute in and of themselves to their salvation. It is being revealed, the things of the gospel are being revealed to those who understand that they are broken and undone before a holy God, that there's nothing that they can do to earn God's favor, just as helpless as a child is physically and just as dependent as a child is uh, physically uh, for his physical well-being upon his or her parents, we are just that helpless. We are just that dependent upon God. And so that is the point he was making is he's referring to a state when we understand that uh, there is nothing that we can do to contribute to our salvation. The only thing that we contribute to our salvation is our sin. That is the only thing that we can contribute. And we talked last week about some of the precautions that we must take in dealing with young children and making professions of faith in Christ. And uh, so anyway, that was last week as a little bit of a recap. So let us continue this week uh, looking at the text. I want to read verse 26 to you. Jesus says, Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. This was well-pleasing in your sight. Jesus burst forth into praise because this, the hiding of the things of God from those who perceive themselves to be wise and intelligent and the revelation of these same things to the spiritually bankrupt and the spiritually broken pleased God. It pleased God. This is what elicited from Christ this public effusion of praise was that all of this, the hiding of the things of the gospel from those who profess to be wise and intelligent, the revealing of the things of the gospel to those who are spiritually bankrupt, broken, uh, unable to, to do anything for themselves, is pleasing to God. And this is, this is what elicited from Jesus this public effusion of praise. Now, to listen to most evangelical preaching today, one would be inclined to think that the gospel is about us. The gospel, it would seem, is about having our best life now, or having our purpose-driven life, 
Most preaching today takes a topic like marriage enhancement, finances, uh, how to raise happy and healthy kids, etc. And then it looks for some token, cherry-picked scripture to support it, thereby reading a meaning into a text that is not really there. And this kind of preaching is what we refer to as topical preaching. This topical preaching is horizontal. Now, topical preaching can be done, and it can be done right, but if if a preacher is, is known for his topical preaching, as is, for example, Joel Osteen, as is, for example, uh, Ed Young Jr. And, and people like this, uh, if he is known for that, then, then then that is not a true preacher. That is a motivational speaker. Uh, is not a true preacher. Horizontal preaching, this topical preaching, is focused on us. It is focused on our own life enhancement. But dear friends, the Bible is not about us. Okay? Let's say that again. The Bible is not about us. The Bible is about God. The gospel is not about us. The gospel is about God. Now, there is a sense in which Christ's sacrifice was for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God demonstrated his own love for us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So there is a sense in which, of course, Christ died for us. But he died for us in that he was our substitute. On the cross, he died for us in that he did a work for us that we could not do on our own uh, for ourselves on our own behalf. He he did the work for us. But the overarching thing here, the the primary motivation that Christ had in laying down his life on the cross was not in and of itself for our benefit. It was for the glory. Of God, uh, we are the beneficiaries uh, of of what Christ did on the cross. But ultimately, what He did on the cross was not for us; it was for God. It was for the glory of God. We are the beneficiaries of that. But ultimately, it was for the glory of God. Overarching this um, this teaching that we see in Romans five eight, which is absolutely true, but overarching that is the vast, infinite expanse of the glory of God. And to lose sight of this, to lose sight of this deific perspective, this God-centered perspective, uh, is to diminish the gospel. And in light of that, consider Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. I'm going to read this passage, and there's a phrase here that I want you to listen for, one phrase that will be repeated three different times here in Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Now, at the outset, let me say that, that I'm, not, I don't, I'm not going to expound, exposit uh, this, this passage fully, but uh, listen to Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, 
to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Paul continues, uh, verse 11 through 14, Paul writes, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who are the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you are sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. So three different times, this phrase, to the praise of his glory, uh, is repeated. I think I initially said just in verses 3 through 6, but 3 through 6, and then again verses 11 through 14. But all in this context, Paul says that that we are adopted as sons through Christ Jesus to the praise of his glory. We were the first to hope in Christ. We would be that to the praise of his glory, verse 12. And, uh, and then again in verse 14, with a view to the, to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. So why did God save us? Did he save us primarily for our benefit? No, our salvation ultimately is for the glory of God. It is to the praise of his glory, to the praise of the glory of his grace. There's a Christian song out there, uh, one line of which says this, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. No, no, no. Dear friends, when he was on the cross, the glory of God was on his mind. Everything that God does, including our own redemption, is ultimately for and to the praise of his glory. How many issues and how many ills facing the church today would be all but instantly resolved if we would but shift our viewpoint from the horizontal to the vertical. If we could just get it fixed in our minds and, 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 and fixed in our, in our hearts that that church is not about us. The gospel ultimately is not about us. Church is about God. Uh, worship you know, all these what we call the worship wars, battle over songs, contemporary or traditional or mixture, or, you know, blah, 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 blah. When we sing, we're not singing for our own enjoyment. We're not singing for our entertainment. We should be singing for the glory of God and preaching even. Uh, preaching is, yes, it is for the edification of the believer and it is for, it is God's chosen means of of bringing the lost to Christ, but ultimately preaching. Preaching is really the the penultimate time of worship in a worship service. We often think of the music being as the worship part of, of church, but uh, preaching really is the worship, the true worship that is done in a church service. And even preaching, do we benefit from it? Absolutely, yes. But ultimately, it is to the praise of his glory. 
And so how we have lost sight of that in our in our churches and also in our in our individual lives, you know, we, we have become so accustomed to thinking that everything is about us. Everything is for us. And, and as I said, yes, there is that sense in which uh, Christ died for us. He died on our be- uh, on our behalf. He died in our place as our substitute. Yes, but ultimately, our salvation is not for us. Our salvation is to the praise of His glory. I, uh, I there was a church I was preaching in in um, well this past fall. And uh, I, I mentioned this in my sermon. and In fact, I was preaching the same text. And uh, I, I, I talked about this in my message that, that, that our salvation is for the, ultimately for the glory of God and the gospel. The Bible is not about us. The gospel is not about us. Ultimately, it is about the glory of God. And a man came up to me just as I was leaving. And uh, he came up to me and he said, I'm going to paraphrase him, but he said, Justin, when you, you know, when you said that, the gospel was not about us. He said, you rocked me on my heels. He said, but then as I listened to you, then I understood what you were getting at. I understood what you were saying. And, you know, I really, really appreciated what that man said to me. You know, there's there's the mark of a believer. There's the mark of, of someone who who had... Uh, some faulty theology and uh, had had some um, erroneous views on some things, but but when he when he when he, when he was confronted with the truth of God's word, when he when he's when the, you know the light came on and he he bent the knee to that truth, and uh, that that is one of the. Um, that's one of the hallmarks of a of a genuine Christian, and um, wow, what what a what a different world we would live in. What a, what how how vastly different would our churches be if we could just get this fixed in our minds that that everything that we do, every everything that we sing, every everything that is preached, everything that the church does, worship itself is is a is not about us. It is about God. What church is not about meeting people's felt needs, whatever those may be. Uh, church is is ultimately for the for the worship of of God to the praise of His glory, even our own salvation, even our own salvation. I, I believe it was in Matthew chapter 9. I don't have this in my notes because it's just off the top of my head. But uh, when Jesus healed that man in Matthew chapter 9, I'm almost confident it's Matthew 9, but he says, uh, he says, but uh, so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, rise, take up your bed, and go home. And so Jesus healed that man just so that that man could have an easier life, just so that that man could be more comfortable. No, he says, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Rise, take up your bed and go home. Jesus healed that man not so that he could run and jump and you know play with his friends. Jesus healed that man so that he would understand more about who he is, who Christ is, and what his primary mission was, not of making the lame walk and and the blind, the physically blind see. No, his primary mission was to come and be a substitute, uh, a penal substitute 
uh, on, on man's behalf to the praise of the glory of God. To the glory of God. Okay, now, verse 27. Jesus says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. The statement of Christ in verse 27 is basically a commentary on what he said in verse 25. Here Jesus calls God my Father, and this is something which no Jew would ever, ever do for himself. This is a clear and unambiguous affirmation of his deity. He is equating himself with God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are the same in essence and nature and are inseparable. Apart from the absolute deity of Christ, there is no gospel. When Jesus says all things, all things, what does this mean? It means all things. It means all power, all authority, all truth, all righteousness, all judgment, all mercies are under the divine sovereignty of the Lord Christ. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. Dear friends, Christ is sovereign. Christ is sovereign. And um, you may have heard me say before, if there is a single renegade molecule anywhere in the universe, then God is not sovereign. God is not sovereign. Uh, Sovereignty encompasses all things. All things, all power, all authority, all truth, all righteousness, all judgment, all mercies, everything is under the divine sovereignty of the Lord Christ. It is a it is a very comforting thing to know that our God is sovereign. Now, many people do not like the sovereignty of God. They rebel against the sovereignty of God, but properly understood, the sovereignty of God is a very comforting doctrine. Okay, and Jesus says, No one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. This is another affirmation of the depravity of man. Man is wholly unable to know God. In fact, uh, the Bible says that man is neither willing to know God nor is he able to know God. Scripture gives abundant testimony that we are not spiritually sick, We are spiritually dead. We are dead in trespasses and sins. We are not in spiritual ICU, on spiritual life support. We are in the spiritual morgue, tag on the toe, dead. We are like Lazarus, who is four days dead in the tomb, and we stinketh. Just as Jesus called forth Lazarus, he must call us forth, and he must make us alive. Apart from the quickening and regenerating of God's Holy Spirit, we would all remain in the tomb. This is the doctrine of total depravity. This is the doctrine of total depravity is does not uh, teach that man is as evil and wicked as he could be, but that he is completely unable in and of himself to know God. Not only is he unable, he is unwilling because we are dead in trespasses and sins apart from Christ. And then Jesus says, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. 
Now, we often think in terms of us making decisions for Christ. We fancy ourselves as choosing him, and yet the Bible teaches that it is not we who choose God, but God who chooses us. Jesus states in John 15, verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you. John chapter 5, verse 21 Christ says, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. Now many have tried to take to take texts such as this and claim that they don't really say what they appear to be saying. But this violates a fundamental rule of biblical hermeneutics, biblical interpretation. The meaning of a text is almost always just what it appears to be, except, of course, when symbolic language is clearly being employed. And, for example, when Jesus says, I am the door, he does not literally mean that he's a piece of wood with hinges. Clearly, he's using symbolic language. But the Bible almost always means exactly what it appears to mean. That's a, a fundamental rule of biblical hermeneutics. We had a series on hermeneutics a few months ago. And so Jesus meant here exactly what it appears that he meant. He meant the same thing that he meant in John 5, verse 21, and John 15, 16. Uh, in John chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus says, All that the Father has given me will come to me. The redeemed are those who have been given to the Son as a love gift from the Father. Did you know that? That, that if you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, that that is what you are? You are a gift from the Father to the Son. You are a love gift from the Father to the Son. All that the Father has given me will come to me. Not may come to me, but will come to me. And when I say may, I don't mean may as in they, but um, might come to me. You know, Jesus is saying that not that they might, not that there's a 50-50 chance that they will, but they will. All that the Father has given me will come to me. Now, some deem this doctrine of God's sovereignty and salvation as objectionable. It is not fair, some would say. But who are we to deem what is fair and unfair? Who are we to talk back to God? That is the point that the Apostle Paul was making in Romans chapter 9. Uh, who are you, O man? And that's what he was talking about, Romans chapter 9. And, you know, dear friends, I think if we all got really honest, if we all got really honest and thought about it, we would affirm that God would be entirely just to offer salvation to none and to allow all of us to go to hell. He would be entirely just if he did that. Uh, so is he any less just that he chooses to save some? If he would be entirely just to let all of us go to hell, because that is what we deserve, that is what we rightly deserve, and that is what God's holiness and his justice demands, he would be just in doing that. Is he any less just if he chooses to save some? No, no, not at all. We underestimate just how vile and sinful we really are before a holy God. God's grace is just that. It is God's grace. It belongs to Him, and He can do with it as He pleases. The great reformer Martin Luther said this of this verse. He said, 
And I quote, Here the bottom falls out of all merit. All powers and abilities of reason or the free will men dream of and it all counts as nothing before God. Christ, excuse me, Christ must do and must give everything, end quote. So clearly this text, as does many, many other texts in the Bible, uh, focuses on the sovereignty of God in salvation, on election on the biblical doctrine of election. And to deny election uh, is to deny the obvious. You've got to do some incredible gymnastics with the biblical text to get away from the doctrine of election. In fact, you just cannot do it. It is all throughout both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And uh, one of the series that I would like us to do at some point in the future, in the not too distant future, but got some other things on the plate before we get to that. But I wanted, I want us to talk about election, the doctrine of election, and uh, and look at that in some depth. But uh, that is for a little bit later down the road. So, dear ones, our time is just about up, and we will continue next week with verse 28. When Jesus says, come to me, and uh, yes, this passage talks about the doctrine of God's sovereignty and the doctrine of election, uh, but also, beginning in verse 28, we will see the responsibility of man, and we will see how the gospel is open to all who would come to Christ, and that is for next week. And then after that, Lord willing, I will begin the series that I've been talking about on spiritual warfare. I'm really, really looking forward to this. Jim Osmond, my pastor and friend, we have uh, done recorded a series of programs on spiritual warfare. And so that will be coming up in one or two weeks after uh, next week's program. So uh, still be uh, a couple of weeks away, two or three weeks away. But, but once we get to that, I really think you're going to enjoy the series on uh, spiritual warfare an issue about which a lot of people are are uh, very interested or in which they are very interested and uh, about which there's a great deal of confusion. So i uh, be looking forward to that. But uh, until then, uh, look at the website for the book, truthorterritory.com, truthorterritory.com. So thank you very much, dear ones, for joining me. And until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for listening to the Justin Peters program. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or would like to invite him to come and speak at your church or conference, contact him through his website, justinpeters.org. That's justinpeters.org.